Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chuckery Show hanging out with you on this Friday evening. 20 minutes from uh, right now, actually about uh, 18 minutes from right now, we'll uh, talk to Scott Baer, the digital managing editor for AtlantaFalcons.com. But this, of course, and I look at uh, all things Atlanta Falcons, it is Falcons flyover. By the way, 404-726-0929 is your Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. How about this stat uh, from Pro Football Focus? Because they have a stat for every team but that you need to know. Falcons are built to run the football. They led the NFL in run blocking and finished fifth in rush grade in 2022. Chris Lindstrom, right guard, was the star of the show, ending 2022 with a league-best 95.0 overall grade. Okay, And they say further examination reveals that to be a historic figure. Day-Day, are you listening? You following along with this? Yes. Okay, because I want you to hear this. Okay? Okay. Chris Lindstrom's 95-point overall grade is tied for the highest single-season grade by a guard in the pro football focus era. Only Philadelphia's Evan Mathis in 2013 matched that mark. A.A. Ron, Trent Williams, and Hall of Famer Jonathan Ogden are the only other offensive players to play at least 200 snaps and finish with a 95 or better grade. Lindstrom may be the quietest superstar in the NFL. Now, look, I love Chris Lindstrom. How many years? Well, you had not been around for as long. But how many years have I talked about Lindstrom and how good he is and busted Hugh Douglas's agates and everything else about it? But let me say it like this. See, this is what we need on the defensive side of our football. We need more Chris Lindstrom's. It's not sexy. It's not a glamour position where he plays. But you know why we are what we are and we can have success? Because of guys like Chris Lindstrom. We need those guys on the defensive side of the football, not just the offensive. I want Chris Lindstrom all day long. I need more of those kinds of players. I need more impact players at the spot that's important at most, right? What did we talk about with Randy Mueller the other night as far as his quote, do they have enough bells and whistles 
at spots that influence the game at its most critical position. Guess what? Lindstrom is one of those guys. You know why we're a great run team? You know why we can get some things done? Even with Mayfield, Bergeron, Hennessy, Dahlman, because we got guys like Chris Lindstrom. That's why you have guys like that that impact the game at the spot. Directly impact the game at a peak primary position. And that's what happens when you have players like that. We need more of those kinds of guys. We need more of those kinds of players. I'm not worried about wide receivers and tight ends having high grades. I want my offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage to have huge grades in the world of pro football focus. And that's what spoke at you. Oh, sorry. Wait. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> sorry. Got a little ahead of yeah, yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Um, anyway. All right. Let's uh, let's get to some audio here. Uh, Arthur Smith talking about the defensive back depth. Um, and it's not as uh, simple as people make it sound, but they have many great pieces. Well, we play in a lot of personnel packages. Um, I know D-Glad gets mad because his depth chart's not – he's kind of outdated. Uh, he's still probably stuck in the 2010s or 2000s. And he gets mad on the game book when the only guy that didn't play is the backup quarterback. But uh, we play a lot of guys. And I'm just kidding, D-Lad. Just welcome you back. Make sure you're you're, you're, you're uh, up and you're, you're attentive. But um, – in all seriousness, those guys in the back end, we got a we got a lot of depth and a lot of good competition going on. Not only in the in the inside, uh, you know, Mike D. Clark, he continues to do something every day that catches our eye, which is good. That's why we wanted him here. And on the outside, you know, uh, Jeff, AJ, AJ made a good play in the red zone down there today. I think Jeff's playing really good football right now. Uh, and you can feel their size out there in the back end. Those guys. I mean, you feel. Jesse and Richie and, and Hawk, uh, Mike. I mean, those. I love what's going on back there, Arch, and uh, you know, going uh, on Armstrong, Sip. So Sip made another play again today. Yeah. He just continues to get better. Uh, look good as as a jammer is so far. Is this clip ever going to end? I mean, park, again, wait, just to stop the clip. Up, just, again, I don't have that long in the segment. For God's sakes, what did he say? Uh, did, did he say anything? Yeah, he said, uh, named all the people looking, playing good, playing well. I, I didn't hear anything. I, I Again, I, maybe my ears are clogged up or something like that. Uh, did you see where D-Led got a fine for being on vacation? Yep. His wife <laughs> scheduled a trip for the first couple of days of camp, and he got fined yep. uh, by, by Arthur Smith. Look, they have a what, – what have we talked about? Depth of corner. They, they have a lot of defensive backs, the most improved position on the football team, and, oh, yeah, Jerry Gray coaching. Helping to coach, whatever he's going to be. Here, here's what I know: I'll make him the I'll make him the secondary coach, and I'll let him do his thing. All right, here's uh, Arthur talking about Matt Hennessy and his injury update. So you know something came up, you know, something he dealt with at the end of last year. So we just got to we got to get an MRI, and and I'll know more. Uh, I'll have an answer for you tomorrow. All right, I mean, look. Hopefully, Matt Hennessy is not out for a long period of time because again, I don't want. I like Bergeron, and I think eventually he can win that job, but I don't want Bergeron playing because there's no choice. And to Mike Rothstein's point, I don't want him thrown in there 
because we've got nobody else. If you have to go out and sign a guy, they've got $9 million. Go out and sign a guy if you need to. But I don't want to rush Bergeron until he's ready. The last time we did that, it did not work out well. Rushing a guy out of position because we didn't have any other options. I want to see another option if need be. If he's going to be out for any length of time, I want to see another option in all of this. Oh, by the way, the Braves are down 2 nothing. They're in the first, uh, sorry, in the second inning. But Chirinos are really pitching well. Thank God Michael Soroka is not available. Here's uh, Arthur talking about Taylor Heineke in the quarterback room. So it's a gritty group of three guys right there. They're not your traditional quarterbacks. I don't think they were, were uh, big recruits or uh, little coddle guys with their own little individual coaches and pampered up. And they, they're, they're tough. They work well together. Uh, they like to work. You know, Taylor, the guy, right? He's been a guy that's been cut a few times, and every time he goes out there and produces, and uh, sometimes he might not pass the look test. But uh, tougher hell, and he can deliver, and he's shown that in the NFL. Yeah, look, um, again, and, and I asked Scott Bear this question about the competition or mentoring ship or whatever we define the quarterback room as being, and, and Scott will have the answer here coming up in about 10 minutes from right now. But, yeah, I mean, look, these are guys that are fighting, scratching, clawing for everything they get. And, and he mentioned even Logan Woodside. Like, again, another guy that was a Mac quarterback from Toledo, right? I mean, you know, again, fighting, scratching, clawing for everything they get. All right, uh, I'm going to jump around here, Day-Day. Let's go to number five, Chris Lindstrom, who uh, joined uh, Dandy and Randy, uh, on how important the continuity is on the offensive line. Uh, it's been awesome. Um, we're super fortunate to have a great group of guys, and I think it's to testament to Coach and Terry and the people that they bring in. Um, but the, the culture we have in the offensive line room, I'm just incredibly thankful for. Um, there's just a competitive mindset every single day to get better, to compete. Yeah, well, again, um, there are really good pieces there. If McGarry can continue to take that up arrow step, that's going to be a big key because, again, whether it's Hennessy or Bergeron, Drew Dahlman at center, you still have some questions. You need McGarry to ball out the way that he did last year. You need him to continue to be up arrow and play really well. Because if not, that leaves Lindstrom in a lurch because he's got a guy to his left that eh, I'm not I'm not so sure about. And if McGarry doesn't play well to his right, eh, okay, then we got a lot of lot more questions than we do maybe uh, answers. All right, here's a D Alford. Oh, well, what about this? Jerry Gray has already made me a better player. One of them guys, he make football so simple. And then the type of coaches that you love to build, Ryan, because he, he helped you be able to come out, you know, and play fast on the field. He can turn something that's, that can be hard, so make it so easy, make it sound so easy, show us, draw it up on the board. We watch extra film with Coach Gray, and he's just one of them guys that actually played in the league too, so he know what we're going through, and he know how to relate to us in, you know, in different ways. So, shout out to Coach Gray, man. He's a great coach, and he, he made me so much better through OTAs and, you know, these first couple of days of camp. Is Jair Alexander any good? Day Day, I'm asking you the question. Oh, you're asking Jair, me? Is Jair Alexander any good? Yes. How about Earl Thomas? Very. How about Cam Chancellor? Definitely. Oh, well, he had his fingerprints all over those guys. Now you he's going to do it here. 
low-key the best signing this organization made in the offseason is Jerry Gray. I will continue to beat and bang that drum up and down. I'm, You know what, Day-Day? I'm going to go down Peachtree Road with a sandwich board and one of those drums that you play in front of you banging the drum <laughs> yeah. about how influential Jerry Gray can be with this squad and how much he can help everybody in this secondary. Not to take away from Steven Jackson, who's the other defensive backs coach. And by the way, not the running back. But again, you know, he he's a stud. Uh, we, we'll maybe get to Ryan Nielsen and everybody else a little bit later on here. But anyway, when we get back, Scott Baer going to join us. Falcons managing digital editor for LandonFalcons.com. What he had to say about the first few days of training camp. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. And it's John Chuck. We show live on this Friday evening with you is day three in the books for Falcons training camp. And, of course, we've got all of your coverage as we are the radio flagship home of the Atlanta Falcons. And somebody who knows a little bit about the uh, team, let's go out to the waitfor.com hotline. Lennis Ford dealer. He is the Atlanta Falcons digital managing editor for AtlantaFalcons.com. Scott Bear is joining us. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Scott Bear NFL. Scott, appreciate the time. Thanks for a few minutes on the show with me tonight. Hey, man. Thank you for having me. You know, I want to talk to you first about the relationship between Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. Do you look at it as a competition? Is it a mentorship? Like, how do you look at that relationship between these two quarterbacks where, you know, Heineke's got, you know, a few years under his belt, but he's not a 14-year veteran or anything like that. How do you view this relationship between these two guys? Yeah, well, actually, uh, Taylor spoke to the press earlier on Friday and talked about that very thing. So this is a very timely question. And what he said was that he understands his role here as sort of a mentor with some experience and a clear-cut number two. He harbors, or at least publicly, uh, harbors no illusions that he's going to win this starting gig before the first game of the regular season. And he is taking his job seriously in that he wants to provide the best, um, you know, uh, advice to Desmond Ritter entering his second year. Taylor's been around the block. He has a lot of starting experience. And where he thinks that he's going to be most valuable, Taylor says, is that during the regular season, when he sees different defenses every single week, Taylor can help him adjust and move on and try to exploit those defensive weaknesses. And actually, Arthur Smith said something very interesting. This is a very gritty, unheralded quarterback room. If you think about it, Desmond Ritter, third-round pick, uh, Taylor Heineke has been cut a bunch of times and is resilient. Logan Woodside was not a highly touted pick. These are are grinders. These are guys who have similar experiences who've gone from the bottom up and really kind of worked their way into these jobs. So ultimately, I think that there is a strong bond there, but I do think Taylor is under the understanding that, yes, he is the number two, but as the number two, you're always one play away from being number one. You know, Scott, I have consistently talked about, I think that the low-key best move the Falcons made in this entire offseason wasn't a player or a trade or a draft or anything like that. It was Jerry Gray coming to this team. And when I look at what his track record has been, whether it's working with Jair Alexander, who had nothing but bouquets to throw at Jerry Gray, whether I look at, I don't know, 2010 when there were a couple of safeties in Seattle named Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor that turned out pretty good. This guy has got a track record for building strong secondary units. And while I think that this has been the biggest improvement in the secondary, you know, again, there is so much more room for, you know, potential whether it's Jesse Bates getting back on track, whether it's Jeff Okuda, you know, proving that he is, you know, worthy of the third round pick or third pick of the draft. I, I just think that the combination of Jerry Gray and the talent in this room, this could be something special for this team. Yeah, and um, I was watching practice on Friday, and there was a very small moment that maybe fans didn't pick up on. And uh, Cornell Armstrong, he had great coverage on uh, Zay uh, Malone, one of their undrafted guys. And Cornell had great coverage. He got his hands up, and Zay just plucked it out of the sky for a touchdown. Cornell couldn't have done much better. He fell on the ground. He was laying on the ground, and Jerry Gray came rushing up to him. He didn't come up to yell at him. 
for allowing the touchdown. He didn't pick him up and say, attaboy, get him next time. He waited for, for, for Armstrong to stand up and immediately started coaching him on a subtle technical thing that could have turned that touchdown into an incompletion. And that's the type of thing that an experienced secondary coach can offer somebody like Cornell Armstrong, can offer somebody like Jesse Bates, or even uh, some of these top starting quarterbacks. And having that level of that like teach first mentality, not always yell first or not always rah-rah first, is something that I think is very important for this group. And look, there's a lot of talent here. There's also a lot to prove here, and I think that Jerry Gray understands that, and I think that he was a perfect addition to this group in terms of helping them from a non-player perspective. I absolutely agree with you, especially after watching him work subtly. Even in the cafeteria, he's always in guys' ears, kind of trying to get them that half a percent better with everything that he says. I think that's a fantastic uh, observation and something that we're already seeing play out even this early in camp. Scott Bear, Digital Managing Editor for AtlantaFalcons.com, joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. What's the question that you have that you want to feel like you have a good answer to by the time we get through camp and the preseason? Is there something that you're still looking at and kind of inquisitive about and want some answers by the time we get to the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I hate to go with the obvious here, but we're talking about an offseason that was spent building around – an offseason spent, if I can say that right, hmm. built – helping build around a third-round, second-year quarterback, right? Desmond Ritter, I think, has lots of talent. He has lots of leadership skill. Only four starts, right? Got to prove it. He's not going to prove it in the preseason. And whether he plays in a lot of preseason games or not doesn't really matter to me. But can we start to see him take real command and get in a good practice rhythm? How is he going to do in those joint practices against the Dolphins? Are we going to start to see him truly take command of this? Because I think decent quarterback play, and this team is real scary. So that is my biggest question mark, and I may not get the exact answer, but I think that's important. Can they protect Desmond? Can he deliver shots downfield, and can he operate this running game well? Those are going to be key things. I know quarterback is the most obvious answer, but when I look at how the secondary is playing, when I look at how these running backs are playing and how these wideouts are developing and are crisp and big, talented route runners, I think if this quarterback can get these skilled players the ball on time, this offense could be pretty fascinating. Um, I didn't say excellent, but could be pretty fascinating. So I need to see more positives from this quarterback as we continue throughout the preseason. And, and you know, Scott, to that point, I mean, the things I look at, you know, and again, Desmond was my favorite draft pick last year because I, I, I just, I loved watching him in college and, and the kid's a winner, you know, and, and there yeah. is, and, and I always talk about this on my show that there is something innate about winning. I don't care if you put up big numbers, big stat, like there are a lot of NFL quarterbacks that put up huge numbers that their, that their franchise never advances. They don't win. And at the end of the day, give me a guy who wins. Give me a guy who, whether he puts up big numbers or not, finds a way to win games. And I think that was the impressive thing about Ritter is that you not only saw him get better, but they finished 2-2 two and two down the stretch. And say what you will, but again, you know, for a kid to come in in his first four games and be able to kind of pull that off and – Again, there wasn't really a whole lot to play for, and guys are not trying to get hurt and things like that. 
but he did find a way to win ball games, and he did get better each week. That's the thing that impresses me about him is that you look at what his college career is. This kid's a winner through and through. He took Cincinnati to levels that they never even imagined that they could go to, and that's what I love about him, just his ability to find ways to win games and, and just, again, you don't overwow, you know, he's not overwowing people with stats, but he's just a winner through and through. Yeah, I mean, 44 and 6 in college. My favorite stat is undefeated at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hate to keep bringing up these small kind of little details, but that's, I think, what we're looking for as, as indicators of what a player can be. And against New Orleans in his NFL debut in a tough place to play against a very good defense, I think they had a fourth and 15 or something. And uh, like in the fourth quarter, they're trying to come back or, and tie or either win that game. And the ball felt incomplete, right? Kind of hit Drake London in the hands and didn't really stick. But the ball was delivered on a line under pressure exactly where it was supposed to go. The throw was not the problem why that play wasn't complete. But he found a way. I know preseason doesn't mean a gosh darn thing, right? But it's fourth down. He's scrambling all over the place against the Lions, gets outside, fires an absolute bullet to Jared Bernhardt down the field, right? That gamer mentality is so crucial for quarterbacks, especially for quarterbacks with a good run game because eventually that run game can take you a while. Maybe it can win you some games. Maybe the explosive playmakers can help you. But there's going to be a select number of times, John, and you and I both know this. I'm making them a number four, five, three games where it's going to come down to the fourth quarter and it's going to be on the quarterback to deliver the ball on time when it matters most. Can he do that? Some guys with massive stats cannot. I think that Desmond has that kind of gamer gene, and I think that that's going to help the Falcons this season. All right, Scott, I am, um, I am a huge proponent, and, and I talk religiously about this on my show, sacking the quarterback. If you can't do anything else in the NFL on defense, if you can sack the quarterback, you can be a playoff caliber defense. Does Ebba Cady or somebody like that, can they find a way to be an 8 or 10 sack guy? Again, I always talk about 40 is that magical number, that if you can get to 40 sacks in the NFL, you can be a playoff team and even beyond. Do we have enough in the pass rush? Could there be a signing? You know, again, Ingram, Houston, uh, Ngakwe, there are guys that are out there that their job is to kill quarterbacks for a living. Could we see somebody added? Do you think that we have enough as we go into the season right now? Yeah, I like that you brought up the number 40, right? Because it's really easy to say, all right, well, the Falcons added a bunch to their defense line. Are they the Eagles? Uh, no, right? Are they the next caliber at, at 50? Are they going to jump, you know, 25 or 30 sacks in one season based upon the talent that's been added to this team? No, right? They're still learning the scheme. Um, I think that they could get to that number. I think that they could cross that line without a 10-sack guy because I think there's – off the top of my head, there might be five or six guys who can get to five. And I think that that's really important. And then you kind of add some other sacks other places. A guy who could get to eight is Grady Jarrett, right? Because now all of a sudden he had six and a half last year and 
he won't ever say this, so I will. He was getting double teamed and sometimes even more, and now he's got Onyemata and he's got Campbell and he's got uh, Dupree as healthy as he's been in the last three years. And Arnold Abacady is doing a bunch of different things in these outside linebacker roles that I think as fans will see Ryan Nielsen's come together, uh, defense come together, you're going to see these uh, outside backers do a lot of interesting things. So I think it could be a by-committee thing. I don't think that there's necessarily one dominant pass rusher on this team, but I think that there's a big enough collection of talent here where, where like you could look at a Caden Ellis, five, Bud Dupree, six, Jarrett, eight, Onyemata, four, uh, Campbell, five and a half, and AK, five and a half. And all of a sudden, they, they come at you in waves and from different locations. They have speed at linebackers. They can do so much with delayed blitzes that I think that and I go back to Ryan Nielsen's introductory press conference. He was asked, can you improve this pass rush? And he got that kind of smile that he's got going, and he just goes, we're going to get it going. <laughs> and you could just tell the confidence. So I think that confidence is wearing off on his players. Maybe not a 10-sack guy, but I think that by committee, they're going to be much better getting after the quarterback. And sacks matter more than pressures. They just do. Game-changing plays. Um, and I do think that that number will go up. 40, I'm taking the over there. So, last question for you. Is there a guy that you're looking at on this roster that maybe we're not talking enough about that is low-key, maybe going to have a big impact for this team? Is there somebody that you're kind of eyeballing that we're not really giving you know, enough talk to about that uh, will be a big key for this roster this year? I, I wouldn't call Mac Hollins unheralded. Right, because people know who he is. He had kind of a breakout year last year, about mm-hmm. 700 yards for the Vegas Raiders. Um, but he's always been a special teamer before that. So you kind of wonder, okay, was that just a good opportunity or what comes next? But having watched him play, and I, I told him this uh, on Friday, is that he's a big guy who plays big, and he is a physical receiver, and he runs really crisp, aggressive routes. And when you look at, okay, like what's – uh, you know, like wide receiver one, uh, Drake London. Okay, what's wide receiver two? He's a he's a tight end by Kyle Pitts, right? And who cares about the numbers? But I think that Mac Hollins is going to find a way to assert himself, especially on third and medium, right? Third and pushing eight or ten, and he's going to be aggressive and available in those types of situations. And yeah, he's not like an undrafted guy, but I think he's a guy that could step in and be that player. I also look at a guy like D. Alford, right? We all know he's from a small college at CFL. That's another guy. You ask Jerry Gray, you ask Steven Jackson, their, uh, their other secondary coach, you ask Ryan Nielsen. There's no bad things to have been said about him. No bad things to have been said to this point about Clark Phillips. And I think that uh, between Mac Hollins and those kind of depth pieces in the secondary, that maybe one of those guys emerges and becomes a really, really good slot corner right away or becomes that third option in the pattern that makes the Falcons a lot more dangerous. Um, that's how they can kind of take those next levels. In order to be good, right, you got to have your stars play like stars, and then you need elevated games, or like elevated play from some of these guys that we're talking about. If they can get elevated play from Mac Hollins and D. Alford and guys like that, again, this team has a chance. This division is wide open. It doesn't mean it's a given for the Falcons, 
um, it's going to be competitive. Can they compete? Uh, I think that's the recipe to do it. Yeah, it, the uh, the joke is outplay your contract, right? That's the that's the yeah. that's the term for it. Scott Bear is the digital managing editor for AtlantaFalcons.com. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at Scott Bear NFL, and he joined me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Scott, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks so much for a few minutes on the show tonight. We will certainly chat again soon. One hundred percent. Thanks for the time, man. You got it, John Chuck. We will be back. Sports Radio ninety two nine The Game and the Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We uh, doing sports flashes now? I mean, if we're going to do sports flashes, I'm bringing Joe Patrick back. Me and Joe used to have a lot of fun uh, in here, just kind of chopping things up and communicating and talking and just kind of shooting the breeze, right? So if, I, if, if we're doing sports flashes at night again, you know, we used to do – were you here? I mean – No, I, I wasn't here. I was yeah. told because that's why they were telling me that's why that's all still in the – system because they used to do them they used to do basically it was 24 hours like someone well it was like kind of live no 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 not necessarily 24 hours but all three okay you understand i've been here for the entire station's history well not 24 hours but all the way through 11 all the way through your show so well yes and no depends on what was going on Mm -hmm. so it so in in the first few years of the station we did sports flashes, uh, not quite around the clock, but later, because again we had shows um, on twenty four hours a day. Right. So you would have somebody that would do sports flashes until late late at night. Um, then it you know budget cuts and things like that, and they streamlined. So then you would have somebody do sports flashes. Uh, by about the time, let's let's say if the Braves are playing here tonight, okay? Right. They would do sports flashes through the Braves game, okay? Okay. So that they could give so they could give the score of the Braves game, right? Because right. then they would then they would record overnight. So again, we you would hear sports flashes until six in the morning, right? But they were recorded, you know, from the night guy, and they were, and so it would be like. If the Braves played or if the Hawks played, mm-hmm. so they usually usually go until one of these games was done. If there was nothing, then they might get out of here early, like nine nine thirty. Gotcha. But but again, if there was a game on, like the Braves game, if it took till ten ten thirty, whatever like that, then they would go in there and record their overnights. Okay. And so we would have somebody here, you know, and for 
you know, usually until the show ended or what have you. Um, but um, certainly, you know, up until at least about 10 o'clock, we would have somebody here uh, in studio doing sports flashes. So nice. and it, there, there's been some funny stories about just the overnight recording of sports flashes and stuff. But uh, <laughs> that's that's more technical mumbo jumbo and stuff like that. Like we had people that just, uh, you know, didn't show up or just didn't do them or oh, I, wow. just, just some crazy things. I mean, that would that would happen in the history of the station. So it would be fun to write a book about the history of the station. <laughs> you know, I, 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 like I said, I've been here. I, I started my first show was, so the station launched on the 24th, I believe of September or of October. I think October 24th. I think it's the 24th is the station launch. Okay. And my first show was November 5th. And I filled in for Mitch Evans on the first show that I ever did. And I don't know what that I was That was, what, doing. 2011? Yeah. Yeah. No, so no, I 2012. Was, 2012. So yeah. I was still here. I didn't leave yeah. until 2013. I left in August of 2013. Well, but I, I mean, just didn't know much of the staff because you guys were in your own world up here. Uh, well, yeah. you. Well, well, no, no. We weren't up here. When Not the, the, fir- the first year you weren't. Yeah, when, we the, when, the sta- when the station first launched, yeah. we were in that area where WAOK is now. Is, right. Yeah, where, and this where they, was being built. Yeah, and and you know when? Do you know where we? Sam Mitchell and I did a show for WAOK. We were in some like glorified closet. Yeah, AOK was over in the corner back then. Yes, yep. yes, they were they were they were in the corner. Um, I think they were where we filmed the Facebook. How about to say now that room is like a, a digital video recording room. Yeah, now. but it, wasn't it the Facebook room where we used to do Facebook Live and stuff like that? It may have been because I've only been in there like once. Because me and Bo LeBlanc and Tony Schiavone, Tony Schiavone, <laughs> woo! We would do the wrestling show on Facebook. Okay, uh, what well, is there. that? The, was the couch in, were were some seats in there? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's that yeah. room now, yeah. or yeah, that room now used to be AOK's studio. Yeah. Yes, and, and so we 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 used to do AOK because Sam and I sat at a little desk and we were right next to each other. I mean, it was a cramped area. Yeah, because again, you had the production small, you know, producer yeah. and all that in there. But um, but yeah, we did. I did AOK, and then again, the we, we would do the wrestling show mm-hmm. on Facebook with Bo LeBlanc and Tony Schiavone. Woo! <laughs> anyway, yeah. so um, now they moved AOK back to where the game was. Uh, that studio, AOK is back in that room right. now. But it so. is it it is uh, we could do a we could we could, again Jarvis almost destroyed the board <laughs> downstairs. He spilled coffee all over the board. Um, on a Sunday morning during a Falcons <laughs> pregame show, he spilled coffee all over the board. That was an adventure. Terry was here for all of that, and that was a complete freakout. Um, so there's there's been some fun moments. Yeah, Terry literally was like the only person I would see because obviously mm-hmm. he'd have to walk down the to Rick's office because back then the promotions office was you know on that main right. Well, the V Promotions office, we our officers were on that main hallway. Right. So Terry was like the only person from the game we would kind of see on a regular. Because right. all the rest of y'all would come through the back door, that other side. A lot of y'all didn't come through the front way. Um, and so, well, we came. Yeah, we came off the elevator and, and would go. Yeah, go go, go. Right. Yeah, but again, those doors weren't there when when we first started. Those glass right. doors yeah, on they both. Added that. Yeah. They, that wasn't there when 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 we started. Right. We we had to go in through 
the side door into where the green room area was. Exactly. Like that was the way we got that in. That was yeah, that door was there, but the yes. glass doors weren't no, there. They weren't right, there. Exactly. They weren't there. They added all that in later on. Yeah. So so yeah, it uh it's been fun times. It's yeah, been, yeah. It's been been a oh, fun time. Oh, and I take that back. Sean. Sean and Terry were the only two people I okay. would see. Well, uh, listen, um again, um that was the only people that, you know, we we stayed away from everybody until we figured things out. So I, I mean, I, I remember just those early days of the station yeah. and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Sam rem- Mitchell and I had fun. We we used to cut it up, and uh, there were all kinds of production snafus. <coughs> they would leave mics on, and F-bombs would get dropped on air and stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it yeah, went. Yeah, I so. remember seeing Terry walk around with his ruler. Uh, or his golf club. Yeah. He, he would have his golf club. Or, or the baseball bat. Right, or the bat. Yeah, he always yeah. had something in his hand. So, anyway. All right, uh, speaking of something in your hand, let's get to What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So, supposedly, you know, and this was based upon this whole falderall about the agent for Damian Lillard pretty much saying that the only team he was going to play for was the Miami Heat as the Portland Trailblazers have been looking to trade him or this, that, and the other. So the NBA sent a memo to all 30 teams today stating that any player or his agent who makes public or private comments indicating that he won't fully perform the services called for under his player contract in the event of a trade, will be subject to discipline. Now, this is kind of funny. Simply because, number one, the players run the league. I mean, let's face it. They go where they want, when they want. The the only time they couldn't get what they wanted was, remember when the commissioner shot down Chris Paul to the Lakers? Remember that when when when, before he went to the Clippers? Yeah. That they shot that down when he was in, whatever, Charlotte? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Or New Orleans or where, where he was in he New went. Orleans at yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah. So that's the only time that they shot down anything. Other than that, the players have had full control to do whatever the freak they want. Right? I mean, they 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 partner up when they want, they they do whatever they want. And again, so supposedly the agent for uh Damian Lillard, Aaron Goodwin, has been going around and telling other teams that, hey. He's only going to play for Miami, and the NBA wants to squash it. Why? You know why? Because, again, the only team he's going to play for is Miami. That's the only team he wants to play for. He doesn't want to play for what? What? He doesn't want to play for the uh, Chicago Bulls. Or OKC. Yeah, doesn't want to play for OKC. He doesn't want to play for the Rockets. He wants to play for a championship team. That's why he wants out of, I mean, again, not just because they draft a guy, but it, it, they stink. Their organization stinks. Did Cam Reddish make them better? Oh, sorry. Anyway. But again, this whole thing is stupid. The players run the league. The NBA is always reactionary to how do we fix something? How do we handle something that's gotten out in full public view and now we have to chase everything down and sweep up the mess behind everybody. Of course his agent said, he ain't going to play for you if you're OKC or if you're the, the um, I, again, name uh, the Washington Boulets. Yeah, you know what he'll do? 
He'll get traded, and he'll do like all these other guys. Take the money, and for a year, he'll keep his mouth shut, and then he'll demand a trade again. You think Damian Lillard wants out of uh, Portland because he wants to go play for OKC or the Memphis Grizzlies or whatever? I mean, again, they're a good team, but I mean, he wants to play for a sexy franchise and one of the great franchises in the league. That's the Miami Heat. I don't think, by the way, I don't think he would say no. If, if, if they offered the Boston Celtics to him, he probably wouldn't say no to that. But he's not going to play for OKC or the Houston Rockets or the Detroit Pistons or the Indiana Pacers. That's where he's at now. He don't wants to go to a winner. And guess what? The players run the league. They decide. Ironically, Dr. J, I saw a video today of Dr. J saying pretty much the same thing. That the, what's, the, what's the term? The inmates run the asylum or whatever? Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal signed his Supermax deal. One year later, he shut his mouth. And one year later, after saying all the right things about, I want to be in Washington, I want to build with him. One year later, hasta lasagna, don't get any on ya. One year. Guess what Jalen Brown's going to do if things don't work out in Boston? In a year, it's going to be, hey, I want out. <laughs> the amount of money he got, though, I was just like, eesh. <laughs> Who's going to want to go get him? Well, again, the, C- the new CBA that they signed, remember Day-Day, and this is important. There's no limit on Supermax and Max players nowadays. Yeah, because, that's true. again, yeah. the new in the old CBA, you could not have more than two Max players that you traded for. You could have multi you could have more than two Max players if they were your guys that you signed, but you could not have more than two Max players that you acquired through trade. So again, if you got I'm just I'm just spitballing. If you went and got Giannis and Damian Lillard and partnered them up with Trey Young, in the old days, you couldn't do that. Right. You had Unless to you sign your them. own yep. guys. Yep. Okay, now there's no limitation on that. Why? Because that's what the players want. That's what they want. They want to go where they want to go. And you think for one second that I don't believe that Damian Lillard's agent wasn't telling other teams, hey, man, if you trade for him, he ain't gonna be he ain't gonna be there for a year. Yeah, of course he said that. Of course he did. Siakam's people said it out loud. Pascal, yes. Pascal Siakam's his brother was said on it. Instagram. Yeah. his so. brother was on Instagram saying Hawks better not make a move for him. <laughs> yeah, right. so come on. Of course. <laughs> oh, but hey, you, the NBA like their like their um uh. Uh, what's what's his name? A uh, George McFly. Hey Biff. Hey you NBA teams. Don't do this. Come on. It's a players' league. They go where they want. They get what they want. They do what they want. I'm not mad at them, but you better understand that this has been what the NBA has been about. Is it's players doing what they want to do, not the league, not the teams, the players. Do what they want to do. You know, you know, when again, I'll go back. When Chris Bosch talked to LeBron James and he did not want to go to Cleveland, he didn't want to play for another mid-market team. 
and they said, you know what? Let's all go down to Miami. And Miami gutted their roster to fit those guys in. They had three players, three under contract. Wade, Haslam, and uh, what was his name? Um, Mi- Mike Miller was oh, the, Mike Miller. Was the yeah, mid-level yeah, yeah, exemption. Yeah, yeah. That was it for their roster. They they had Jawan Howard on their bench, for God's sakes. It's a player's league through and through. They get what they want, they dictate the terms, and they go where they want to play. Simple. I give them credit that they've got that kind of power. Then the NBA comes along and says, hey, you, get your dang hands off that. Anyway, that's what's bugging Chuck Reed. All right. um, Taylor Heineke, who did he join? Middays? Who was it? The Morning Shaft? Uh, no, actually, he was like, actually with Dukes and Bell. All right. D&B, when we come back, we'll hear from the backup quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, 929 Game, the Odyssey.com app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.